Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. The Slaying Dragon series is talking about the things in your life that are like dragons that you don't think you can beat and how you can beat them. So last week we talked about slaying anxiety and how, you know, how, we, can, how we can slay anxiety. And for whatever reason, we always podcast our lessons. That, that's the one lesson that did not podcast. Like the podcast did not work. So if, you, know, if, you, if you're, you, know, you missed that lesson for whatever reason, you really want it, you can still get our Refuel app and the notes are on there. Um, so you can still get the notes. So um, who is your favorite Disney villain? Anybody have a favorite Disney villain? Just shout it out. Yeah. Do what? Maleficent? Maleficent is on the screen here. I put, I put on some of what I think are some of the most iconic Disney villains. You've got Scar, um, Jafar, Maleficent, and then, of course, Gaston. How many of y'all like the new Beauty and the Beast? Any Beauty and the Beasters? Okay, so um, here's the thing that's different between Disney enemies and our enemies that we face. Disney enemies within about an hour and a half, 90 minutes, um, 84 minutes if you're watching The Lion King, um, the enemy is vanquished. You know, Scar gets eaten by hyenas. Um, Jafar gets turned into, an, into a, a genie, which means he's got phenomenal cosmic powers in an itty-bitty living space. Y'all never seen Aladdin? You need to go home and watch Aladdin. Um, Gaston falls off the castle and goes splat. Um, you know, the enemies are vanquished, but in our life, it feels like the enemies that we see or the enemies that we come in contact with, they don't get vanquished. You know, they live on and they live on and they live on and they live on, you know, and what doesn't kill them makes them stronger. So that's kind of my struggle. But tonight when we're talking about, we're gonna, every, every week it's going to be slay this, slay that, you know, you girls that get on Instagram, you're like, yeah, baby, slay or whatever. You know, we're talking about slaying dragons like in a bad way. Okay? And tonight the dragon we're going to talk about is the dragon of the enemy. This dragon is your your typical standard dragon that you can buy at Lowe's. Um, but the dragon we're talking about tonight is a three-headed dragon. Um, it's literally a three-headed dragon that we're going to talk about, and it is your enemy. And you, know, you may think you have enemies at school, like ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, ex-best friends, but this is the enemy that we're going to talk about. Have you ever felt like something is totally working against you? You ever had a day where you felt like, like there's gotta be somebody like behind the curtain of my life, like pulling strings, like trying to mess up everything. Like, why not have that day today? Like, we were, it was like, you know, we, we had to put all this up and it was like a hot mess, probably still is. Yeah, and it wasn't just that, but it's just felt like everything was directed against us. And, and we really felt like Satan was, not to be one of those people that over-spiritualized this, like, you know, like, oh, it's going to rain, Satan's up, you know, working against me. No, it's probably just like the atmospheric conditions. But like, it was like one of those, you know, it just felt like Satan was against us. Do you know that when, you know, there is somebody against you? There is somebody, a, a, a monster, a dragon that is working against you spiritually? And it's a three-headed dragon. And we're going to talk about that three-headed dragon tonight. And if you have your Bible, open up to Ephesians 2. You want to know who your enemy is? The enemy is identified in Ephesians 2. And... I'll, t- I'll go ahead and tell you, it's one enemy, it's got three heads, it's a three-headed dragon. The first, I'll go ahead and tell you who, the three, who your, the three heads are on this dragon enemy you have. The first head, the first enemy is the world, um, the second enemy is Satan himself, um, the third enemy is your flesh, and that may sound kind of weird, but we'll, we'll kind of explain 
kind of explain that. But if you look at Ephesians 2, um, if you're trying to read it off the screen, you may need to like stand up for part of it and like you know, squat down for part of it to see. But um, if you have your Bible or you can turn your head back and look at the back screen, we're going to read Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in the way that you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, there's our first enemy, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, there's our second enemy, Satan, and the spirit who is now... The, the, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, craving, gratifying the cravings of, here's the third head, our flesh, and following its desires and thoughts. We are by nature deserving of wrath, but because his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It's the gift of God, not by, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared for us to do. So you can see in the first, or verses two and three, it identifies these three dragons, or these, this three-headed dragon of our enemy. And before we were, as you see in verse four, it's, there's, the, there's a big but. You know, I talk about big butts in the Bible. This is one of the big butts of the Bible. But because God was rich in mercy, we don't have to be um, under the enemy anymore. We don't have to be, you know, we don't have to lose to the enemy anymore. We don't have to be in defeat. But this is something that we fight against every day. So what I want to do, I want to talk about the three heads of this dragon. And the first head of this dragon is the world. And the first thing that we learn is the world is around us. The wor- and I, or the, I put it in the first person, the world is around me. You can go to the next slide, Roger, if you guys can even, even kind of see it up there. The world is around me. I'm going to explain the picture of this guy drinking dirty water here in a minute. Um, but what the Bible tells us is our world lives under the curse of sin and the control of Satan. Um, Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 19, I believe, or excuse me, verse 20, it talks about how creation, meaning mankind, was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. You don't have to look around very far to see that the world is not the way it's supposed to be. I mean, look, a week ago, the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history happened in Las Vegas. It's not supposed to be like that, is it? It's not supposed to be like that. The world is under the curse of sin. It's also under the control of Satan. Yeah, most of, sadly, most of what we learn about Satan does not come from the Bible. Usually, it comes from movies we watch. It comes from cartoons. It comes from things we read. And usually, if, if, if you were to a- ask the average person, where does Satan live? Where is Satan? They would probably say hell. But the Bible says that Satan is has been banished to the world in which we live in. Um, Revelation 12, if you want to read the, like, the whole story of like everything and probably like 10 verses, go to Ro- Revelation chapter 12. It starts with Satan being kicked out of heaven by God and then it ends with Satan's defeat. It's like this, like, like, just this like, um, picture into the world. It's really great. But Revelation chapter 12 verse 9 says, it's describing when Satan was kicked out of heaven because Satan tried to usurp God's authority, but Satan's a loser and he could not usurp God's authority, so God kicked him out of heaven. And it says in verse 9 of Revelation 12, the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole 
world astray, he was hurled to earth and his angels with him. So Satan is alive and well in this earth. His time is limited. We'll talk about that. But Satan is working in our world. Our world is under the control of Satan. It's under the curse of sin. And now we know, because of that, the world is against God. Have you ever realized just how hard it seems to be to be a Christian, especially a Christian teenager in, 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 in your world? I always say it's hard, it gets hard. I think it gets harder and harder every year in America to be a teenager who is a Christian because it's like the tide is pushing harder and harder and harder against you. The world is against God's way, and it's not just this theoretical thing. It's a system. The world is a system, and um, first... Um, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 3 talks about that system of the world and what it's like. It talks about people who are lovers of money. Um, it talks about people who are proud. Just tell me this is not the world around you. People who are lovers of themselves, aka hashtag selfie, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents. None of your friends are ever disobedient to their parents, right? Um, disobedient to parents, unforgiving, ungrateful, without self-control, brutal, conceited. You don't know anybody conceited, right? Conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than loving of God, having a form of godliness, pretending to be Christian but denying its power, living in the power of God. Do you not see that in the world around you? in the systems of the world. You pick up your phone, and you know, what I love, you know, I was talking to Blake about how I'm going to miss him on Snapchat because he would always send me snaps and say, been in the Word today, got anything I can pray for? But that is not the norm. What do you usually, not from Blake, but you know, what do you usually see on Snapchat? What do you usually see on Instagram? What, what pops up on your phone without you even thinking about it? The system of the world today is more accessible than ever. Like it used to be, you would have to go like to a like bookstore to get porn. Now, like you can't stop it from coming up on your phone because you're just cruising through your Instagram feed or you're just cruising through something and there it is and you didn't even mean to access it. The world system, and I'm not just talking about you know, sexuality, I'm talking about the, you know, the, the hatefulness, the pride. The world system is easier to access to access than ever. So the first, um, the first enemy we talk about is the world. I have this picture of this guy drinking water, and you may think why, um, but if you look at it, um, this is a man in India, and he's in the Ganges River, and very important to their culture and to their understanding and to their religion is that this river, they say, is a holy river. And once a year, if you want to have your sins, or, you know, they don't call it sins, but if, if you want to be purified, you go in this river and you drink. You, you know, this guy's just taking a, 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 a water bottle, got that river water and drinking it. And you can see it kind of looks like Ohio River water. You know, you know you, you've got a couple like frogs in there with five legs and you know, you fish with four eyeballs, you know, because that, that river is incredibly polluted. It's one of the most polluted rivers um, in the world. Their sewage system, in many, they, they've, they've started a new initiative to clean the river up, but the sewage system literally just comes right out into the river. People bathe in the river. People just dump their trash in the river, but they've got this idea that because this river is holy, that this river can't be polluted and 
they can drink this river you know, from this river and be purified. But what happens, they say, after this is so many people show up in the hospital with all different kinds of, you know, digestive issues, as you can imagine, and all this stuff. Some of them have gained a couple friends on their insides. You know, they got parasites. So, but th- this is what we think. Just like we, we may think, how ridiculous can these people think that th- this river is not good for, you know, good for them? We get in the river of the world all the time. And we think, oh, I can be around all this stuff and it's not going to pollute my mind. Or I can be around all this stuff and it's not going to change the way I think. But I hate to tell you this, but it really does change the way you think. Yeah, you, you, show me the fr- you show me your friends, I'll show you who you're going to be in six months. You, you, know, you show me what you listen to, I'll, I'll show you the way you're going to talk in six months. It has an effect on you. So the world is around you and the world is not your friend. The world is not your friend. So that's the first head of the monster. The second, um, the second head of the monster is Satan himself. Um, Satan is against me. Um, we'll kind of explain this picture here, here in a little bit of, uh, of this lion uh, chasing down this zebra. I, I loved the, pit, the face of the zebra. You can just see like the, oh no, like expression on the face of the zebra. He's like, this is not a good day, you know. But um, when we think about Satan, C.S. Lewis in his, um, he, if, has anybody read the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis? I think Blake is reading it right now. I, I feel like I'm featuring Blake a lot tonight, but once again, I saw it on one of Blake's snaps. Um, if you've never read the screw tape letters by C.S. 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 Lewis, it'll blow your mind. It's written from the perspective of Satan to one of his demons. He, he's trying to help the demon be a better demon. And um, essentially what C.S. Lewis says in these screw tape letters is that as Christians, we're guilty uh, when it comes to our understanding of Satan of one of two offenses. The first is that we're totally ignorant that Satan exists. We're just like, ah, you know, he's just a cartoon character. You know, he doesn't, he's not real. We can kind of ignore it. Or we develop an unhealthy obsession with him and with these apocalyptic type things. I, you know, had a guy come up to... Um, to one of our pastors a couple nights ago, and he said, I figured out who the, who, the, who the two apostates are in Revelation, Bill and Hillary Clinton. You know, like, you know, <laughs> you know, things get a little out of control, and some people develop an unhealthy obsession with Satan so much so that they're learning more about Satan than they are about Jesus, and they're violating what Scripture tells us to whatever's pure, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's lovely, whatever's reliable, that we should fix our thoughts and meditate on those things. But I think a lot of us are guilty of the opposite. We live our lives acting like we don't have an enemy. We wake up in the morning forgetting that there's somebody who every morning, his only objective is to get us to stumble. You know what Satan does? Here's, here's some examples of the work of Satan. Um, he's literally our adversary. Um, the word devil comes from the Greek word diablos, which means to oppose. So Satan, when you think devil, think the person who is in opposition. Um, Satan is a slanderer. You can see this in, Je- in, in um, Genesis. The first thing Satan does when he appears to, hu- to humanity, to Eve, is he slanders God's name and tries to get Eve to think that God is not a good God. Um, he causes us to compromise. First uh, Timothy chapter 4 talks about how it's the spirit of Satan that causes us to compromise theologically. Um, Satan channels our anger into sin. Ephesians chapter 4, it says, don't let the sun go down on your angry lest you give Satan a foothold. Satan knows if he can get you to dwell on your anger, he can do whatever he wants to do with you. Um, Satan, this is one that we understand very, probably maybe more so than a lot of other parts of the world, just here in Huntington, West Virginia. Satan exercises mind control through drugs. Um, Our pastor talked about this a couple weeks ago, but in Revelation chapter 18, um, 
talking to Satan. It says, by your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. And this word for magic spell is the word pharmakia in Greek, which is the word that we get pharmacy from. This, this drug problem is not new. For literally thousands of years, people have been turning to drugs, and Satan has been using that. So this problem that we have going on around in our world, you know, there is responsibility of the person who, who, you know, who takes it, I understand that, but it, it is a satanic attack, just like any other kind of temptation. Um, Satan is a tempter. We're going to talk about this next week. We're going to talk about slaying temptation. Bottom line is if Satan tempted, tried to tempt Jesus, you better believe he's going to try to tempt you. Um, Satan is a schemer. Um, Ephesians chapter 6 says, stand firm so that you can withstand the schemes of Satan. Just like you you dream up ways to ask a girl out, Satan dreams up ways to try to get you to stumble. Um, Satan tries to block the gospel witness. If Satan can't get you to succumb to temptation, he's just going to try to get you so bored and so tired of Christianity that you don't want to witness to anybody. Um, Satan is an accuser. Revelation 12 presents Satan as someone who makes accusations against you to God. He says, hey, did you see what Evan did last night? Hey, did you know the thoughts that Andrew's thinking in his head? You sit on the front row, I pick on you, by the way. (laughs) Satan brings accusations to God. We see this in the book of Job. Satan is our accuser. So Satan's work is terrible. And it all comes down to one thing. Satan wants us, Satan wants us to live in a way that does not glorify God. That's what it comes down to. He does not want God to get the glory. Uh, I love verse 7 of this passage we're looking at. It talks about that, um, that God in the coming ages will show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You are the greatest showcase of God's grace in that he forgives you. He has good works prepared for you to walk in. So if Satan can get you to forget that you've been forgiven by God, forget that you've received the grace of God and not walk in the way of God, he believes that he can steal God's um, glory. And Satan, this is where the picture comes in, Satan only retreats by active resistance. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say ignore the devil and he will flee. How, how well would the zebra do if the zebra just ignored the lion? You can ignore the lion until you're in the belly of the lion, right? Um, you have to resist. Satan only flees from active resistance. So that's the third head of the dragon. It's Satan. The fourth head of the dragon is our flesh. Does that sound weird, our flesh? You're like, Matt, does that mean I need to cut all my flesh off? Like, do I need to de-skin myself? Like, 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 what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, there's this struggle, and maybe you can tell me if it's just, I don't think it's just me. Paul had this struggle. He talks about it in Romans chapter 7. You wake up in the morning, and you want to do your devos. And you say, when I get home from school, I'm going to read my Bible. And every time you do that, you know what's going to happen, Right? Everything that could possibly go wrong in your day is going to go wrong, and you're not going to be, and, and you end up not reading this book and not doing what you're supposed to do. You, ever, you, find, you find that to be true too? Like the things that you know you need to do, you don't do. And the things that you're like, definitely shouldn't do that. Don't say yes to that guy when he asks me out. You're like, oh, I'd love to go out with you. You know, like, maybe it's just me, but I find myself struggling. The things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. It's a struggle, and that struggle is a battle that's going on in your heart. If you're a believer in Jesus, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living inside you. 
Um, there are some people that really have a bad understanding of the Bible, and, the, and the, they try to make it sound like, oh, you can get saved, but then you have to like, you go through all these rituals in order to get the Holy Spirit to live inside you. The Bible makes it very clear. Those who are in Christ have, this, have the Holy Spirit. Those who are not in Christ do not have the Holy Spirit. So there's, there's no like, you don't, you don't get halfway saved. You don't get halfway saved. So, so if you're a Christian, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and this Holy Spirit is leading you to do the right things, and, 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 and he's pulling you in the right direction. But we have our bodies. We have our flesh. The Bible says that sin was passed on from person to person to person um, through our bodies, and that sin used to reign in our bodies, but our sin has been paid for on the cross by Jesus. So we have the Holy Spirit living inside us. Romans chapter 6 says we're supposed to count ourselves dead to sin, but there are some days, I don't know about you, I don't feel very dead to sin. There's some days that I really mess up. There's some days that I really wish I could have back, but I can't have them back. And we keep thinking about those times that we messed up. We keep thinking about those times where we wanted to do the right thing, but we didn't do the right thing, and we didn't want to do the wrong thing, but we did the wrong thing. And Satan holds that guilt over our heads and tries to make us think that there's no way we can ever do what's right because of the time in our past that we messed up. God's, God doesn't guilt. Satan guilts. God convicts. The Holy Spirit convicts. And conviction is supposed to lead us to repentance. Repentance leads us to restoration. Restoration leads us into getting stronger in our faith. So this is why I have a picture of a toilet bowl and a swing. Um, because pastor said something, and as soon as pastor sa- said this on Sunday night, I thought, toilet bowl. I don't know what he thinks about that. But pastor, pastor made this quote, he made the statement, there's no forward progress in depravity. You understand what I mean by that? And every time like, that, that you, get, you, you get so mad, you, you, you want to do the right thing, you don't do the right thing, you get so mad, you know, you're like, I'm not going to yell at my mom, I'm not going to yell at my mom, I'm not going to yell at my mom, I'm not going to yell at my mom. All the way walking through the door, I'm not going to yell at my mom, I'm not going to yell at my mom. As soon as you walk in the door, your mom's like, where were you? And you just, you know, you yell at your mom. Yeah, you did it. And, and every time we give in to what our flesh, our anger, our, you know, our sensuality wants us to do that's contrary to God's will, every time we get in, it's like a toilet bowl. You go deeper. Each cycle is deeper, and each cycle is deeper, and each cycle is deeper. And you think, maybe if I can just be a little less angry towards my mom. But that doesn't work, does it? You just get more angry, and you get more angry, and you get more angry. That's the cycle of the flesh. But the cycle of the spirit is totally different. It's like back in grade school when you were swinging on the swing. When you started swinging on that swing, you were going like this, right? But you kept pumping your legs, and you kept going like this. And you get a little higher, and you get a little higher, and you get a little higher. And finally, you got to the point where you could jump off and break your ankle, right? Um, so, but that when we, when, when we follow the spirit, and we follow the spirit, we start feeding our inner spiritual man, and we start getting stronger, and we start getting stronger, and we start getting stronger. But make no, no mistake about it, the flesh is against you. That's the third head on the dragon. But got good news. I always told you I'm going to write a book called Big Butts of the Bible. This is going to be maybe the first one, because it talks about the way that our life used to be. We used to always lose to this dragon. We used to always lose to the world, to Satan, to our flesh. But, verse 4, because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Here's the great news. This enemy, this dragon that, that needs to be slain, you don't have to slay the dragon because the dragon has already been slain for you. When Jesus died on the cross, he slayed the dragon. With one swift blow, he severed all three heads. That's not too, 
too graphic. Jesus, in John 16, says, I have overcome the world. In Genesis 3, 15, God promises, I'm going to crush Satan's head. In Romans 8, we learn that God has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can overcome the desires of the flesh. Um, we see in this passage that we go from death to life. We go from wrath to riches, riches in his grace. Jesus is the one who beat the enemy. But I think the problem comes when we think we're defeated. We're so used to living in defeat. We're so used to giving in to the flesh. We're so used to kind of going along with the flow of the world. We're so used to, to, to just kind of letting Satan play with us like a rag doll. Jesus has won the war. So how do we apply this? I've gone too long. Let me give you four ways to apply this to your life. They're all our words. Um, they're all our words. I had S words for next week, I promise. Um, they're all our words. And here's the first R word, resist the enemy. You got to wake up every morning not dwelling on who Satan is. We should always dwell on the cross. That should always be the forefront of our minds. But we should understand that there's someone who wants us to stumble every day. You can go to the next slide, Broker. There's someone who wants to stumble every day. Resist the enemy. Ignorance doesn't work. Knowledge alone doesn't work. Apathy doesn't work. The only way to experience victory over this enemy every day is to resist him. The second thing is to receive Jesus Christ and his victory. Um, you receive Jesus as your Savior, but you're acting like Jesus is your Savior. You know, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for us, but you know it also says that he was raised to life and that we were raised to life with him to a new life. So receiving Jesus isn't just something you do once and say, oh, okay, well, I'll see you in heaven, Jesus. It's so, the cross is something we go back to every day to remember and remind ourselves who we are. So receive Jesus in his victory. Um, the, fine, the next one is ration the food for your body, mind, and soul. Who's speaking into your life? You know, who's telling you, if, if you, if you're running with friends who are going along with the world, guess what's probably going to happen? You're probably going to go along with the world. If you're reading books that glorify things that God is not pleased with, guess what? You're probably going to do things that God is not pleased with. What's coming into your eyes and your ears, maybe even your nose, I don't know. Um, yeah, what, what are you letting into your life? And here's the final one. I know you get tired of me saying this. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. If you want to experience victory over sin, over the enemy, read the story of the one who has defeated the enemy. So this one is set, this kind of lesson, this night is setting up the stage for next week and the week after. Uh, the ne next week we're going to talk about slaying temptation. The week, the week after that we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about slaying, um, I just totally, you ever had, totally lose the word? Totally lost the word. It's been a long day. I hurt my back. Um, help me, Wyatt. Slaying adversity. There we go. Slaying adversity. And then the final one, we're going to talk about how you can pray and how you can engage in spiritual warfare through prayer. Um, so let's pray. We're going to talk about it in our tag groups, and maybe it'll be cooler downstairs. Uh, so let's, let, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you that through you we have victory. Um, Satan seems so intimidating to us that sometimes we just try to ignore it. Um, but God, you beat Satan. Um, you crushed his head on the cross. We don't have to live in defeat anymore. Um, so God, I pray that, um, that we will resist Satan. That we'll be aware that he's active and trying to, uh, trying to stop us from living for you. Um, but that we will, we will claim your victory on the cross. We will live in victory. Um, not because of anything we've done, but because of what you did. So, Father, Father, I pray that you'll give us courage. Um, I pray that as we go to our tag time, um, you'll give us some, um, 
some, some conversation and to where we can really just apply this to our life and we can live this out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.